we're in lesson 15. We've had a couple week break. Last time we got together, we uh, looked at Daniel's dream, which he had in during the reign of Belshazzar. And uh, he had a dream of four beasts. Last time we gathered together, we just simply talked about what the dream was. Now we're going to look at the interpretation of the dream that he was given. So we're going to start off in verse 15 and work our way through the end of the chapter in verse 28. So if you remember, Daniel had this dream of these four, I, I think they're grotesque looking, they're, they're not normal. He had this dream of these four grotesque animals that came out of the great sea Remember now, what's the great sea? For those of you who remember, what's the great sea in the Bible? The Mediterranean Sea, okay? So now we're going to look at, he's had this dream, and remember now, we looked at this the last time, he only wrote down what was important, so he didn't write down everything. So what does that tell us about prophecy? Does prophecy tell you everything? No, it, it only tells you what you need to know, and that's going to come out, especially when we look at the interpretation and we look at what Daniel focuses on. So let's look, first of all, at verse 15. We're going to see his dismay here. We're going to see how he reacts to this dream. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the vision of my head troubled me. Okay, here's what I want you to see. The dream caused Daniel to react with fear and confusion. Now, he says there he was troubled in his spirit. You know, there have been many times, especially as I've been pastoring, that I have been in situations where, have you ever been so grieved it's like your inner being is in anguish for something? It's not like you're crying it's just that it, the heaviness of the situation is just on you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? I mean, it's just like, if it's, you know it's an emotional thing, but it feels physical. That's what he's describing here. This dream is such to him that it, it's grieving him in his spirit, and then just the thought of what these visions are, they're troubling him. Okay? They're troubling him. So we see that now. So look at verse 16. He's going to make a request. Now, this is interesting because obviously he's had this dream, and there's some folks with him. So look at verse 16. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Now, Daniel looked to one of those who stood by to help him to understand. So Daniel must have an interesting prayer life. He must have an interesting walk with God because he has this dream, he's troubled, and then like there's these angels standing by, there's these beings. In fact, that's the next point there. Those that were standing by were angels. Okay, so these are angelic beings. So he looks to them. The angel tells Daniel that he will make known, what, the interpretation of these things. So the angel says, hey, we're here to, we're here to help you out, buddy. We're here to, to tell you what all of this means. Okay? We're here to tell you what all of this means. So he's going to give them the interpretation, which is what we're going to spend most of our time looking at this day. So again, 
This is just an artist's rendition of the uh, four different beasts, which really represent four different empires, okay? This is the first one, the second one, the third one, and then, of course, the fourth one, okay? So, and obviously this, this author, I mean, this artist, when it said a terrible beast, decided that it must have been Jurassic Park that same week and uh, made it into a Tyrannosaurus Rex, okay, with a bunch of horns. So let's look at verse 17 through 27. Let's read these together. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. For I wish to know, for I wish to know the truth of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, had with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured broken, broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns which were on its head, and the other horn which came up, before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. The ten horns are ten kings, who shall arise from this kingdom, and the others shall arise after them. And he shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, and shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints will be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. But the court shall be seated, and he shall, they shall take away his dominion and consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the, to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all his dominions sh- shall serve and obey him. Okay, so let's take a look at it. First of all, the four kings. The four great beasts are the four great kings which arise out of the earth. Now, this sounds very similar to the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Remember the colossal image that had four great parts? Okay. So, therefore, the four kingdoms are Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. So, these are the four kingdoms. Now, what I want you to see now is he's going to talk for a moment about the saints. The angel states that the saints of the Most High will receive an everlasting kingdom. So in the midst of this, I, I, think, it's, I think it's interesting how God does this. He's getting ready to talk about the terrible things that are going to happen. But just right before that, he wants to put a word of encouragement in there. He's going to talk about these four great kingdoms, 
But he's going to stop and say, but yet the saints of the Most High are going to inherit an everlasting kingdom. In fact, look at it for a moment there. Look at verse 18. He says, and possess the kingdom forever. Now, how long's forever? How long's forever? No end. Now, just to make the point that it doesn't stop, he says forever, and what's the rest of that verse say? Look at verse 18. Okay, here's some mumbling. Forever and ever. Yeah, it, not just forever, but forever and ever. Okay, so it's, the whole point is, is there's no end to it, period. All right, so he's going to give that encouragement. And then here's what Daniel sees. Notice something here. Look at what Daniel wants to focus on. Daniel wanted to know more about the fourth beast, which was terrible. All right, let's stop for a moment. Isn't that interesting? What's so interesting about that? What's he ignoring here? Yeah, he did not care about the first three beasts, okay? So remember I told you I was at a conference and I heard a guy, and and he was talking about these, he's actually getting into details about the significance of the first three based on this prophecy. And that's okay. If you want to do that, that's okay. All right, because I said, because the bear has three ribs in his mouth, and he said the three ribs are the three kingdoms that were before it, you know, which were Babylon, Assyria, and then Egypt. Well, okay, maybe Egypt, okay, possibly that's what it is. But the text doesn't tell you. What the text does tell you is is that Daniel is focused on one kingdom only and forgets the other three. So what do you think we should do? Yeah, we should do the same thing. Focus on the last kingdom, not worry about what? The first three. Trying to figure out the details of the first three. What do the wings mean? What, what does this mean with that his wings were ripped off and he stood up like a man and he was given a man's heart? What, I mean, seriously though, we could waste our time on that when really the text tells us what we need to focus on because Daniel really doesn't care less about the first three beasts. He's more concerned about this terrible thing. And he wanted to know more information about the fourth one, okay? And and listen, if you get focused on that, that sells books. And that's what a lot of books are about, trying to figure out everything else, okay? So he also wanted to know about the ten horns. He wanted to know about the ten horns. And he wanted to know about the little horn that emerged out of the ten horns, that fell three of the horns. Okay? So he wanted to know about the ten horns that fell three of the horns. So he wanted to understand this. All right? So, and he wanted to know what was the meaning of the horn with with a pompous mouth and a greater appearance. So he understand, he's focused on this fourth kingdom, the ten horns that emerge out of the kingdom, the little horn that emerges out of the ten, that fells three of them, and he wants to know why, what's the deal with the pompous words and the greater appearance. He wants to understand all of that. So guess what we should focus on? What Daniel's concerned about here, right? Okay. So now let's look. First of all, he's going to make a point here. Look at verse 21. He's going to say, Daniel saw the little horn 
saw the little horn made war against the saints of God. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. Here's, you're going to have to grasp this point. We already see it now. The fact of the matter is, the world is angry and wants to destroy who? Now, ultimately, Israel. Because to Daniel, the saints are not, he's not thinking of the church, he's thinking about who? The people of God. To him is who? Israel. And ultimately, that's going to happen because there's going to be a war against Israel led by this little horn. Okay? Now, who do we know is the little horn? The Antichrist. Okay? So let's go ahead and get that, get that down in your minds. Okay? This little horn that he's talking about, he's talking about a prophecy of what's to come in the future. And it's the war against Israel. And, and listen, folks, it's happening all the time. And if you pay attention, have you noticed that Botswana is in the news every day? Botswana, do you know where that is? That's an, that's an African nation. Aren't you just amazed they're in the news every day? They're not. But who is? Every time you watch a news report, they're talking about who? Israel. And so like here in the last few weeks, did you know there was a, an organization of academic whatever here in the United States decided that they should not do anything with any of the universities in Israel. How many of you saw that in the news? Okay. That was in the news. Now, since then, several of the big colleges in the United States, like Harvard and Princeton and them, have denounced that and said, are you kidding me? Forget that. But where did that kind of attitude come from? It comes from a natural animosity that unsaved people have towards who? Israel, towards God. Okay? So, hey, there's going to come a time when the United States isn't going to care anymore. Okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. All right? We're moving there. All right? So, this little horn makes war against the saints of God. Now, here's what I want you to see. Now, you've got to grasp this. Sometimes you can miss this. All of the teaching on prophecy that you've received, the little horn prevailed against them. The Antichrist, if it wasn't for the intervention of God, in the end, when Jesus comes back, would prevail and defeat them. In fact, we're going to see that later on as we go through Daniel. Daniel's going to make the point here to us. The book of Daniel is going to make the point that that really is where God wants them to come, to the point of utter desperation where he breaks them. You understand, throughout the Old Testament, Israel is described as a stubborn people who will not, what, break before God. And so this is actually all about what's going to happen in the future, is about God's chosen people, who? Israel. And what God wants to teach them. And so this little horn, the Antichrist, is going to be prevailing against them. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's going to be prevailing against them. Let's go on now. Look at verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the king and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So here's what I want you to see. Verse 22. Daniel saw the Ancient of Days 
judge the beast and give the kingdom to the saints. Now, who's the Ancient of Days again? God. Okay? So Daniel sees the Ancient of Days defeating who? The Antichrist. Let me just stop for a moment. Who is the only one who's going to defeat the Antichrist and the forces of the Antichrist? Is it God's people? Is, is it God's people? No, everybody, everybody understand that, okay? God's people, you may want to write this down, are not going to defeat the forces of the Antichrist. Period. No, it's a no-win situation. The only one who's going to defeat him and judge him is who? God. Does everybody understand that? Okay? Does everybody understand that? You know, I, I find it's very interesting to me. We live in a video game culture. And uh, I'm always amazed when I read Christian publications about video games that are designed where you can assume the role of whatever's left of God's people fighting against the Antichrist. Like, who wants to play that game? You're going to lose. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, reality is, is if you know your Bible, if you know theology, who wants to play a losing battle game? You, you, you get defeated in the end every time. I mean, that's what's going to happen unless Jesus comes. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So the reality is, is we need to understand that part of it. So what, what's the point here? Let me just stop for a moment. Let me back up here. Everything is moving to a crescendo of Jesus Christ coming back. Everything is moving to that, but there's something else that's happening that's, to, that's kind of the subplot as well. And that is the redemption of God's people, Israel. Because right now, do they accept the Messiah? No. They've got to be brought to a point of brokenness that will break their stubbornness and their hardness of heart to be brought to the point of accepting the Messiah, Jesus. And what is used to do that is the Antichrist. I'll just be honest with you. Because he's the one who's going to bring them to the point of desperation where they cry out to the Messiah. Do you understand? As long as we understand that. Okay, because that's what the whole focus is. Okay? It's all about Israel and Israel coming back to who? God. Okay? God. Does everybody understand that? I mean, just so you understand it, comprehend that. That's why it's, it's all about Israel coming back to God. All right, let's go. Let's keep going on now. Let's look at the interpretation of the fourth beast. The fourth kingdom will be an earthly kingdom unlike any kingdom before it. That describes Rome. Rome was, at its time, unlike any kingdom before it. I'll be honest with you, there has been no kingdom like Rome since its existence. Does everybody understand that? I don't care how great nations get. I don't care how great you think America is. Okay? America's great. But the fact of the matter is, nothing compares to ancient Rome. And the glory and the dominance of that system that governed all of the Mediterranean world. 
Do you understand that? There's nothing been like that ever since. There's been no kingdom that strong, period. Nowhere. Never. All right? Nowhere in history has there been anything. In fact, there have been many who've tried to regain it through time. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's been many who've tried to regain it, but they've all failed. Okay? They've all failed. And here's what he's saying. This kingdom will subdue and dominate the whole earth. Now, let me again, let's get it from the perspective. You say, well, Rome only conquered the Mediterranean area. The whole earth would, would include South America. They never even made it over to South America, North America. Must be a problem with the Bible. It's not a problem with the Bible. You have to understand, from Daniel's perspective, the whole earth is what area? His frame of reference what he sees as the earth is what? The area around the great sea. Did Daniel have a concept of North America? South America? No. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't have that concept. To him, civilization, world, peoples, were that the world to him was basically what was around the Mediterranean. That was the whole world to him. Remember, in the beginning of Daniel, it talked about how King Nebuchadnezzar was known throughout the whole world. Did that mean the Aztecs knew about Nebuchadnezzar? No. It meant that Nebuchadnezzar was known in the Mediterranean world. Does everybody understand? Okay? You have to view it from how he's thinking and how he's writing. All right. Now, here's what I want you to see. Ten horns are ten kings that arise out of this kingdom. So what Daniel is saying, what the angel is saying to Daniel is, so you have Rome, and out of Rome comes ten kingdoms. Now this is where people get messed up with. This is where how Lindsay made the prediction one time that it was the EU. Remember when he made the prediction about the EU? Because at that time when the EU was forming, I think there were less than ten, and he was saying, well, the, that's, that's the ten kingdoms, the ten, that's, the, you know, that's what's going on, okay? But we now know that there are more and more countries being added to the EU all the time. I think there's 20-some now, okay? So obviously that's not it. The latest interpretation I've heard is it's ten regional governments based upon maybe economic things, like, for instance, NAFTA. You know, we just celebrated 20 years of NAFTA, okay? And, of course, you got the new other, you know, Asia-Pacific, they're doing something there, and all these different areas. Even Russia is doing something now, where in the EU with their currency and everything. So some people are now saying it's probably 10 regional governments. Okay, yeah, you could say that. Here's what I want you to understand. You're not going to understand it completely. What you need to understand is, it's ten kingdoms had come out of the Roman Empire. So that, does that mean there are ten kingdoms that exist together? Text doesn't say. Could it be ten subsequent kingdoms? One kingdom after another? Text doesn't say. You just need to know that there are ten kingdoms out of the Roman Empire. Because how long, how long has it been since the Roman Empire existed? Well, it hasn't been two thousand years. The Roman Empire ceased to exist around 400 A.D. This is, what, the year, what, 2000? So 1,600 years ago. Okay? 
So it's possible that these ten kings, these ten great kingdoms, could be ten subsequent kingdoms, could be ten kingdoms at the same time. The text doesn't tell you. The whole point that I want you to see where the emphasis is in the text is, is that out of these ten kingdoms, this is the point you've got to see here. This is the point that Daniel is saying. Out of these ten kingdoms that came out of this fourth kingdom, this fourth kingdom, which we call Rome, that's where the little horn emerges. Okay? It's out of the ten kingdoms that the little horn emerges. Now, the little horn is a king who will arise out of these ten kings. So out of these ten kingdoms, they're going to produce another kingdom. You have to understand, the king represents a kingdom. All right. So out of these ten kingdoms is going to come another kingdom ruled by this little horn, which we know is the Antichrist. Okay? So there's going to come out of these ten kingdoms this other king. Now, this king will subdue three of the kingdoms. Now, I know recently, like if you've read the Left Behind series, how many of you read the Left Behind series? Okay. Uh, whatever the guy's name is who's the Antichrist, knocks off three kings, literally, kills them. You know, yeah, that's a good interpretation, a good thought process. Okay. But do you understand, it's not that specific. The text is telling us that this kingdom will, sub- this little horn will fall Three of the horns, three of the kingdoms. What could that mean? Well, it could mean that he kill, literally kills three kings, or it could mean that he defeats three kingdoms. Did you understand what I'm saying? Do you, do you understand how the point is not so much that we get caught up in the details of who's the three guys he's going to whack? Do, do you know what I'm saying? The point you need to see is, is, okay, there's this fourth kingdom that's terrible, Rome. Out of it comes ten kingdoms could be throughout history, could be ten subsequent kingdoms. We're not going to worry about that part of it. But out of that ten kingdoms emerges a what? Another kingdom that's represented by the little horn. That little horn we know is the Antichrist, and he subdues three of the other kingdoms. Three of those ten. That's all you need to understand. This is just kind of showing you the progression of where the Antichrist is coming from. All right? Now let's go on now. Here's what I want you to see about this little horn, this this Antichrist. This king, it should be king, not kings, will speak blasphemous things against the Most High God. Now, isn't this interesting? This king is going to speak against the only God. Period. It's, it's not like he's speaking against deities. He's speaking against, Daniel makes the point that he's speaking against, he says blasphemous things against God. Period. That's just the bottom line. This is where this guy's at. Alright? And here's what he will do. This king will persecute the saints of the Most High. Now again, the saints of the Most High to Daniel are who? He's not thinking about Christians today. He's thinking about Israel. So this, this king, this Antichrist, is going to 
persecute war is going to seek to eliminate who? Israel. Okay? Israel. So, then we're going to see now the destruction. Verse 26. The little horn will be judged and his kingdom will be destroyed. Now, who does that? Jesus. We know that from the book of Revelation, chapter 19. Okay? The little horn will be judged and his kingdom will be destroyed. So then look at verse 27. All of the greatness of the earthly kingdoms will be given to the saints. Now, let me just stop. Who, again, is the saints? It's Israel. Okay, so let's stop. So we need to understand something here, because sometimes we can lose sight of where we are theologically. Here's what I want you to understand. You are, unless you're Jewish here, which I don't think we have any Jewish people here, Okay, anybody of a Jewish descent. You are a what, according to the Bible? You are a what? You're a Gentile, okay? You're a Gentile. Now, before Jesus Christ, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, before Jesus Christ, we were, we did not share in the promise. What was the promise? The promise of land, the inheritance that the Jews were to receive. We were far off. We were strangers, he called. We were Basically destined to hell. Okay? But because of Jesus, we've been included in now to share in the promises. We've been, as Paul would say in Romans, grafted into the olive tree. We're the wild olive branches. Grafted into the olive tree. So what I want you to see is, is that the promise of the inheritance was given to who? Israel. But because of Jesus, if you're a Gentile who believes in Jesus Christ, who's saved, you get to share in their inheritance. Do you understand? That inheritance isn't for you, but because of you. That inheritance is a promise made to Israel that we now, because of Jesus, can share in. Does everybody understand? That's the proper theological understanding of it. Does everybody understand that? Okay? Just so we get that right. That's why it's so important for us to be supportive of God doing what he has to do with Israel. Because it's all about them coming to the place where they can receive what? The promise. Because we're going to share in that promise. Did you understand? We're going to share in that promise. So, all of the greatness in the end, when the Antichrist is defeated, his kingdom is destroyed, Jesus is reigning, we know that, All of the greatness of the earthly possessions will be what? Given to the saints. Isn't that interesting? You know, I just, here's a side note. Remember the four temptations, excuse me, the three temptations of Christ? Remember, he took him to the highest point and showed him all of the what? The glories of the kingdom and said, if you would bow down, I'll give you these. Remember Satan said that to him? Wow. And, of course, Jesus rebuked him, okay? He didn't need Satan to give it to him. He was going to get it anyhow. Did you know what I mean? Jesus is going to get it anyhow. What Satan was trying to do was shortcut what was going to happen. 
Did you understand what I'm saying? Shortcut what was going to happen. So the greatness of the kingdom will be given to the saints. And here's what it says. The kingdom of the Most High will be everlasting and all will serve him. This is going to be an everlasting kingdom. There's not, there's not going to be any end to this kingdom. It's not going to be defeated. And all are going to serve him. So then look at verse 28 now. Let's look at verse 28 together. As we finish up this chapter, as we finish up the dream. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So notice how he changed here. The nature of the dream and interpretation bothered Daniel and changed him. The nature of the dream bothered him in the interpretation. Wouldn't you be bothered? I mean, seriously, though, he's, as we get through this book, you're going to see that the angel at the very end of the book has to say to him, Daniel, you're going to die in peace. It's going to be okay, buddy. But this is going to happen, but you're going to die in peace. Why is this bothering Daniel? Here's why it's bothering Daniel. Because it's about his people. I mean, think about it, all right? We all love our area, right? We love the Kerwinsville, Clearfield area. You love, you love our, our area, right? Okay. So what happened? Let's say you had a dream. Let's say God gave you a dream, and in your dream you saw something terrible happen that's going to wipe out the area. And you know it's true. You can't say anything because people are going to think you're whacked out. Okay? Would it change you? Would you be bothered by it? But you're told you're going to be okay? You're going to be all right? You would be bothered by it, wouldn't it? I mean, especially if you love this area and you love the people of the area here, right? Do you know what I'm saying? So you understand why Daniel has changed. Because what he's hearing is, is the future of his people. The future of Jerusalem. The future of the people of God. And that they're almost going to be wiped out by this Antichrist. It's going to be terrible until the Ancient of Days deals with him. And yes, they're going to get the kingdom of heaven, but it, it's, it's going to be devastating. Okay? It's going to be devastating. But I want you to notice what he does. Verse 28 tells us, however, he kept the matter of the dream to himself. He didn't go around sharing that. He kept the matter of the dream to himself. Next week, we're going to see the ram and the goat. He has another dream. So again, another prophecy is coming. We're going to spend two weeks on that prophecy. Okay. 